Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday night. Still under the weather with this knee. Um, but I want to do the Haftorah, uh, which uh, Baruch Hashem uh, sponsor stepped forward today, Henry Rosenberg in New York. Uh, thank you very much. As I always say, I remember Henry Rosenberg when he had the Zuchus to live with and be Mishamish Rabbi Ruderman in, in his older years. And uh, that's real. That's literally what they call Shemish Talmidi Chacham, you know, help him physically. Uh, so thank you. Uh, we're looking at the Haftorah this week of intrigue and uh, court uh, politics, which is supposed to match, I suppose, in some unusual way, Parshish Chayisoro, where you have Avram getting old and, you know, telling Eliezer to take over the Shidduch process. And as we all know, Dovid gets old in a different way, and that's like what's in common. The great difference, of course, is that Abraham has a reliable chief of staff, Eliezer. Hamosha b'chol It's quite an expression. Eliezer, if you read the Parsha today, you see Eliezer didn't just get there, Stam de Velterine. He was very capable of being a CEO, but the whole way he handles himself. He's very decisive. He's thoughtful. He has zrizas. He does all the things that you want. So Avram was not left alone uh, in his old age. He had Eliezer, and if you want to vart for Shabbos, Hamosha B'chala Shelo, Eliezer restrained himself from pushing his own daughter forward, which a smart guy like him could have stuck around here or there, you know, uh, not right away, uh, you know, early, in earlier years, and couldn't have gotten his daughter in if, if he'd made his mind up to do that, but he didn't. Uh, so Abraham and Eliezer go back a long, long way. And by the way, I just want you to imagine this. <laughs> you know, everybody knows the famous Raja de Chazal, that when Abram fought the four kings, so one shot is he had an army of 318 men. The other shot is that the Gematra is Eliezer, so Abraham and Eliezer. So think about that. Here's Abraham, who was an old man at the time of the uh, attack of the four kings. And uh, even in your best shot, you know, so you say he was 70. Let's go like that. Uh, so, I mean, it's not usually age of a warrior. Uh, and by and large, he seems to have been a peaceful type guy as far as we can tell. And Eliezer was some guy picked up in slave market somewhere. He was a Zevid. Domestic Eliezer in Damascus. And... Uh, the shot is the two of them took on the army, so it means they themselves conducted the night raids. If that's the case, it's Clark Kent and Superman. I mean, here's mild mannered Avraham, and you know Nivrichu b'chol Mishpusadam. Here's Eliezer, you know Hamushim b'chol They go into a tent and they come out. One guy's Rambo and the other guy's Chuck Norris. You know what I mean? They're loaded to the teeth with with machine guns and bombs, and they took out the four kings. So I mean, that's you know they were really tight. 
Now, by contrast, in Or Torah, David Amalek does not have anybody like this. You see, that's the tragedy of an old age when you don't have anybody like this. But the the, the context of uh, the story is very weird and it's very obscure. And I can only thing I can do is offer up my own reconstruction as best as I can think of it uh, this year as I'm sitting here of the events uh, that, that constitute the background of the famous Haftarah, which I know everybody knows, you know, it's Adonio or is it Shlomo, then Adonio makes his move and then Bathsheba makes her move and Shlomo eventually becomes king as we all know and proceeds to kill Adonio. Now, um, it's a very weird story because it's a Melch David Baba Yamim, he was cold. That you should get a young girl to sleep in your bosom. Uh huh. I mean, that's, that's an interesting medical treatment. So, you know, this, and believe me, the Farshim were like embarrassed, like, what's going on over here? And each one's trying to get around it this way and that way. And it says, there was nothing physical happened between the two of them, which is why the other, the, the Adonio wants to marry her later on, and so on and so forth. I mean, everybody knows the basic story, and you never hear a good shot, as far as I'm concerned, of what's what's happening over here. And you see the power slipping away from David, because in Melch David, Zokim So, um, we ha- in order to understand the background, or at least to attempt to reconstruct the background, because nobody has an exact shot, you have to go back a little bit in the life of King David, and specifically, what I would call the last years, which really started about in his mid-50s. As you all know, David lives to be 70 years old. There is no such thing as David in, at the age of 70. He died on his 70th birthday. Isaiah Zuckman, you know, born and, and died on Shuas. Uh, so, in other words, the last year of his life was when he was 69. Now, David became king of the Judah when he was uh, 30, and uh, the whole business, the whole 12 tribes when he was 37. That's what it says. Okay, so now here's a guy who's the king of the Israel, the whole United Israel for, you know, 37 years, uh, I'm sorry, 33 years. From the age of 37, age of 33. Okay, so what do we know about this? Now, um, we know the following, that David had basically two broad phases, A and B. In A, everything was good, and B, everything was bad. Up to Bathsheba, post Bathsheba. That's the point I'm going to get across. Up to Bathsheba, post Bathsheba. His life underwent radical transformation. Even though, if you read it in Shmuel Bays, it doesn't seem like it was that much of a radical transformation in the sense that his sin is forgiven, the first baby dies, but Shlomo becomes a king, he stays married, may I point out, to Bathsheba. And, you know, it's a, it's a story of its own. But by the time the Chazal fi- finished putting together different pieces, uh, 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 and you do a little bit of homework, uh, uh, something of a different uh, image approaches, and constitutes the background for the tragic story that we have in our Haftarah today, because it is a tragic story. Uh, because David is old, he lost it, and once upon a time he had it. Now, when David became king of the United Tribes when he was 37, if you look in Shmuel Bays, you'll see that he conquered Jerusalem, he wiped out Moab, and he beat the Philistines. So those were the three immediate foreign policy problems that they had at that time. Once he did that, as far as we can tell, there are no more wars. And so I know there are Sukkim that are out of order, just take my word for it. Uh, there were no more wars. And so 
from the age of, for next uh, 20 years, 19 years, epis, something like that, something in that area, nearly the better part of two decades. Uh, it seems to have been peace and prosperity. Now, then, in his mid-50s, a story, a tragic, like a Greek tragedy uh, unravels, and we find David and Malkin in a different situation because he sent ambassadors as a goodwill gesture to, to the funeral of the king of Almon. This turned out to provoke a war. This war, as I've always said, is I called the War of the Grand Coalition. By the time it's over, David is involved in a whole series of wars against a huge coalition, especially from Aram. And he did win in the end, but the Jews definitely took a big beating and, tra and, and um, casualties. Look at Psalm 79 from Osof. Who was around at that time? I mean, it was a lot of fighting going on. They don't tell you all this in Shmuel Beis because that's the style of these royal chronicles that you find. You know, they weren't into the details. But to hell them if you cross reference, you can see. I'm sure I've spoken about it in the past. Now, uh, during this war came the Batsheva incident. So the best that we can do by reconstructing backwards, we say like this, if Shlomo Melch, who was Batsheva's second son, was 12 years old when the father died, and that's what the Pusik says, then it means he was born when David was 58, because of David is, or 57. The reason I say that is, I tell you again, David never made it to 70, meaning he made it to the beginning of the year 70. He died on his birthday. So his last real year was the 69. So Shlomo is a 12, so what was he born? Uh, you know, when David was 57, 58, something like that. So what does that mean? So the whole business with Bathsheba was, uh, I guess, two years, you know, when David was like 55. Think about that. So, uh, because the story of Bathsheba is, they was involved with her, a baby was born, and the baby died. Uh, and then, he stayed married to her, and had a second child, and that was Shlomo. So, you know, nine months here, nine months there. It takes a little while for all those events to happen. So Dove was, like I said before, I would uh, calculate 57 years old, something like that, in the time of the Bathsheba and the Shlomo birth, and so forth and so on. Now, as we all perhaps recall, I assume that people listening to Haftorah podcast probably know a little bit of Tanakh. David was punished. The prophet Nathan said, you messed up this family, now you're going to be messed up. The sword will not depart from your family. So now as you ruined the family of Yachiti, now it's going to be your turn. And David says, Chotosi, and look at Psalm 51, and so on and so forth. So then what happens in this last decade of the life of David? Everything goes south. Until now it was up, up, up. Now it's down, down, down. When do now here, I open the uh, rusty, trusty Seder Olam, which is supposed to be official chronology. And I have the real frummy good edition from Weinstock, the guy from B'nai Brock, who has very nice footnotes. He was like a mechanic, as I understand, Moshe or Weinstock, um, and published this in the 1950s. That's the edition, if you're in Chinuch, that's the edition to have. Seder Olam Rabbah Shalem. And this uh, going from the Tanoim. And he has very good uh, footnotes and charts and so forth and so on. Now, um, as far as I can see the best. If a guy like me is not good at arithmetic, can understand what he's talking about, the guy's pretty good. So, if you follow along with that, you'll see that the rape of Amnon and Tamar 
took place when David was 60 years old. Um, so it was about two years, three years after the birth of Shlomo. Meaning, not too long after the prophet Nathan told David, you messed up the Bathsheba situation, now you're going to get messed up in your family situation. So David is 60 years old, comes the rape of Amnon and Tamar. I'm not done. Two years later, Avshalom kills Amnon, if you remember. They had a party and they killed him. At that point, Amnon flees into exile for three years. That's what the Seder Olam says to his grandfather. So from the age of, when David is 62, 63, 64, 65, those three years, Avshalom is in exile. But David um, was misgagea, it says, you know, he, he missed him. And so Avshalom returns when David is 65. For the next two years, they have an up and down relationship, very weird relationship. And at the age of 67, in other words, when David and Melch was 67 years old, Avshalom launched a big rebellion, which we know was really organized by um, Achitovah, because no, Avshalom was not too smart. He was actually pretty dumb. But Achitov was a genius at Machiavellian politics. That's what the Pusik says, and if you look closely, you can read the story that way. Again, I'm sure I've done this in the past, so I'm not going to reprise it all. You can look it up in old podcasts. Uh, so Achitov was the brains. Now, think closely what I'm about to tell you. Until the betrayal by Achitov, which David describes in the Tehillim in one of the 50s, uh, Zion, I forget which one, where he says, You betrayed me, Rahu Dvarvik you, we were the best friends, and you spoke like butter in your mouth, and really, it was daggers, and, you know, it's a terrible thing that your best friend turns out that he was playing you the whole time. See, but that's what happened. So that means that you had a guy like David Amalch who had his Eliezer, so to speak. Hamosha B'chol Shalom, Because the whole shot of the story of Shalom's Rebellion is that David was engaged in his stuff. Let's say he was learning, like in the Gemara, or he's into the base of Migdash stuff, like it says in the book of Durayamim, no, he was into his um, non-political projects, call them religious projects. But the, somebody's got to run the country. So daddy had no problem. He had his Eliezer, he had Achitofel. The Pusik says Achitofel was as wise as Dormitumim. So he was a very good administrator and so forth. And you know, the king, you don't need him. David, like I said before, was already in his 50s. He had seen his better years in the sense that he had already fought the wars. He had busted all the enemies of Kalisrael. So the guy's entitled, you know, and um, and Yo was in charge of the army, so you know. Let's put it this way: a very well-run business. I remember the Prussian general staff used to say, "If you have a well-run regiment, the top guy doesn't have to do nothing, right? Because everything's being taken care of." So anyway, but it turns out, of course, that Achitofel was playing him, and he betrayed him, and he used Avshalom as a straw man. See, this all happened when David was sixty-seven years old, uh, three years before his death. Okay, um, so there was rebellion, and Dove runs away, and then there's a, you know, this, that, and the other, Avshalom raised an army, and so on and so forth, and by the time it's over, um, Avshalom is, is dead, uh, killed by Yoah, but that didn't happen right away, overnight, it, it took a little while, because he had to raise an army, and cross the Jordan, and fight the battles, and all that other business. So here you are, Dove is 67 or 68 years old, 68, and then pops up the rebellion of Sheva ben Bichri, so, uh, you can read it in Shmuel base. So, notice, once he finished with, 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 with um, the rebellion of Absalom, came another Zach called Sheva ben Bikri. The point At that point, David was very angry at Yoav. So he's an old man, relatively, he's 68. And um, he's angry at Yoav because Yoav killed Absalom. You'll perhaps recall that story. He actually fires Yoav. He appoints a guy in his place, but Yoav kills the guy and assumes command of the army anyway. 
and they march off and wipe out Sheva ben Bechri, put down the rebellion. That is the end of the book of Shmuel Beis chronologically. So David is, that happened when David was 68 years old. In our parsha, meaning in our Haftorah, it's the following year. Hamelk David Zakin Baba Yom David is 69 years old. Because I'll say it again, he lived to be 70, but he didn't get past his birthday. So everything's happening shortly after the incidents I just said. It's about two years or so since the Absalom Rebellion and the ballot battles back and forth, the death of Absalom at the hands of Yoav, the rebellion of Shev and Bichri, and its suppression by Yoav, and the king is super angry at Yoav. It doesn't say to us what David's reaction was when Yoav killed um, Amasa, his successor, and assumed command of the army, because it's a very weird situation. It's a very weird situation. And um, because on the one hand, Yov didn't listen to him. On the other hand, he seized the army and used it to suppress a rebellion against David. So it's like really, uh, you know, from a literary point of view, it's brilliant, but it's, it's a screwball political situation. Is that a re- rebel when somebody doesn't listen to you because you may be wrong and instead he uses his rebellious powers to protect your throne? So, the, you know, the, the relation between David and, and, and Yov when 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 um, David is sixty nine years old, right after all this happens, is what it is, which of course is why Yehovah is going to back Adoni Yahu, um, and uh, that forms the background. Hamelk David Now he got so he was so old that um, they covered him with blankets, and that's why I had to bring in a girl and Abishaga Shunamis and so on and so forth. First uh, First of all, I don't know. But I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm reconstructing based on the Chazals. I have in front of me the Art Scroll, Nakudos, Nevi'im, Mikras Kedos. You know, it's very good. And they have at the bottom what they call Likuti Ashas Midrash Tanaim. They have a Gadadus from Chazal. And they have something from a Sefer Mishnah's Revelator. And it says, Why is Hamel Zokin? Now, many of you know the Gemara that says, since he cut off the, the, the cloak of, of, of Shaul, so he was punished in return, which is a little bit strange. Because he cut off the cloak of Shaul for a good reason. He wanted to show Shaul that he could have killed him. He tried to reconcile him. But okay, it's a chazal, you know, you know, live with that. But are there any other approaches? And that's what I want to uh, concentrate on. Because this is the one that makes more sense to me. It says, Amar Rebbe, according to this uh, Mishnah Srebalazar, which is a medrash. Amar Rebbe, Shlosh Esri Shana Hayudavid Misan Alosa Misa. So, <clears throat> how do we understand? David's reaction to the Bathsheba incident. So, you know, when you read it in the Shmuel Bays, it simply says Chatasi. When you read it in Tehillim, Kapitol, Nunalov, it's a lot more than this Chatasi. Uh, you know, Herb Kapsenu Avone, and so on and so forth. It's a whole Kapitol about that. If you're Chazal, you, you look sometimes to other Pesukim to sort of back this up as in Kapitol Kuf Tes, let me just see over here. Give this a little bit out of order. So Kuf Tes 109, uh, it says, this is David talking, um, and it sounds like, a, you know, a Bathsheba type thing, because he says, Right? Don't be silent. Kipi Rosh, Pi Mir Maolai Pasachu. I'm surrounded by people full of falsehood and lies. So notice they, 
raw tachas tova v'sinat tachas halosi, and people are are what do you call it? You know, returning a, a bad for a good. I try to be good for them. I forgave all the enemies, and they're all you know going after me. So it sounds you know it doesn't have to, but it sounds like um, he's angry at those who are cussing him out for the Basheva incident. And he goes on to say later on. Uh, Please, save me. I'm poor and, and humble, destitute. And my heart has died within me. You got to read to hell him to know what the heck is going on over here. If it's, if it's not poetry, if it's not just simply, you know, uh, a kind of uh, rhetorical discourse, then he's saying... I had like a major depression. And then he goes on to say, He said, I'm like a vanishing shadow. I'm driven around. I'm tossed around like a locust. No, it's Ich bin Mamasha garnished. So David used to be proud, and all these other tales he used to say, you know, and you know, and all that kind of stuff. And here, he says, I fade away like an evening shadow. I'm shaken off like a locust. So David was uh, in his 50s, but he was super crushed by the realization of the Chet. And he goes on to say, That I've gone into, my knees totter from fasting, and my flesh has become lean without fat. So basically, he's saying like this. If you follow this Mahalach, David um, adopted, for the rest of his life, a policy of penance. For the sin of Bathsheba, even though he remained married to her, it's weird. And they had another kid, and that kid's going to be the next king. But he realized the original meeting with Bathsheba was was very problematic, halakhically, without going into the, all that pilpul. And uh, and and Hashem said it was a sin. However, you touch it up, and now he feels terrible about it. Um, and he therefore undertakes penitential practices. Now, penance is not the same thing as repentance. Repentance means inside your heart. Harata uh, Kabbalah as they say. Won't do it again. But penance means you afflict yourself. So what I read you is I think the only place in the Bible, I think, where it talks about penance in the sense that you're uh, afflicting the body. Birkai means my knees buckle because I'm fasting. So I ruin my health by continuous fasting. And become skinny like in concentration camp without fat. Uh, right? And therefore, he says, you know, and all that sort of thing. So, according to this medrash, Rabbi Yunan Nasi said that that David never got over this sin, which he confessed, and he tried to make up for it by living a life of extreme fasting, which ruined his health. Get it? Because he can't go on like this. So even though I'm sure he was strong as a buck, but 13 years of, you know, the strongest guy in the world, if he if he fasts himself over and over again, you'll turn yourself into garnished. He was rolling in the dust. And that's how he got his cold. Meaning, he didn't catch a cold. He, got, he ruined his health. And the body heat or something like that. Now I'm not a doctor, and this is from Yudan Nasi. But what brought on the cold was his his um, 
not neglect of his health, it's, it's the attack on his own health. So David had been a great warrior, he'd been a general, you look at Shemul Al, Shemul Beis, David killed tens of thousands, and so on and so forth. He was a powerful guy, sure, I jump over the wall, lead my soldiers into battle. He was a peak of health. But then he, he took all that down because of his remorse for the sin of Asheva, and he killed himself, so to speak, in the sense that he ruined his health. Now, the servants, and this is the best way I can understand it, are going crazy because his, you know, his body temperature is, is, is going down, down, down. That'll kill you. And so they're trying to figure out what happened. They said, let's get a beautiful girl. They meant that basically he'll marry a new uh, uh, wife. Uh, and she will make him interested in uh, useful activities once again. And this will uh, restore his health. Uh, right? I mean, you know, in other words, she, you know, she'll, she'll, she was pretty, she was attractive. And the idea is like this. And she didn't say no, because the famous Gemara in, uh, in Megillah, contrasting David with Achashverosh, Achashverosh said, I want to try out every girl in the kingdom and put all the losers in the harem. So it's, it's a Polish roulette, you know? Everybody invests in and, and and nobody wins, and here, they said that you know the Gemara says that you know they were looking for a wife for the king. I'll say it again: a wife for the king, and it's a beauty pageant. And the situation wasn't Stamos; it was a beauty pageant. They figured they want a girl who would make him interested in, res, in in resuming normal physical life, including physical between husband and wife. And uh, so, uh, and so they look. So they'll find the prettiest girl. It's a voluntary thing, and those only the girls are interested, uh, you know, joined. So I guess you make a cheshman. It's true, I'm marrying a guy a lot older than myself, but I'll be a queen, you know. And uh, and the long and the short of it is that uh, it didn't turn out that way. Okay, it didn't turn out that way because he was his health was so bad at the age of sixty nine. Okay. That it says by Yavachu. Now they said like this: That could simply be read, as far as I can understand it, that you know, get a new wife. They're just using a little bit of uh, euphemisms here. By and they found her, and Yafad mode, and she was really beautiful. But nothing happened between them. Right? No, there's no physical relationship developed between the two of them. That's how far gone he was. Uh, so, in other words, it turned out to be uh, an attempt. Uh, it's a certain type of medicine. <laughs> I'm not saying to do it now. He said a certain type of medicine, uh, but it didn't work because his 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 health was destroyed, as as Rebbe says in that uh, in, in that in that medrash that Hayimisana uh, Alusadavar. Uh, it got to the point that you know he he lost all the 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 heat of his body and he and he could not retain it, and and it killed him. If you're looking for the for the um, medical uh, side of things, so yes, she was married to him, but but it was never consummated. Let's put it that way. Although the plan was that they should. So here we have. I just described you a situation of a guy who was standing at the top of the world and now was at the bottom. That everything around him fell apart. His kids rose in rebellion against him, and he had no Eliezer, his 
his Eliezer was Achitofel, who turned out to be a, a traitor, so that's not what Eliezer was. And the other lieutenant uh, was Yoav, meaning, uh, what's the name, Achitofel ran the civil side of the administration, and Yoav ran the military. Uh, and Achitofel betrayed him, and Yoav did not betray him, by the way, but the king chose to be super angry at him because he killed Avshalom, and he also killed Amosa, and so on and so forth. Because you know, it's coming up in Vayichi, David's deathbed words are kill Yoav. I mean, that's the last thing he says before he dies. So it's a wild and crazy situation. Okay? And in the context of this, so David uh, had promised about Sheva that their child would be the next king, as we all know. But how did everybody look at the David Bathsheba incident? He says himself in the Tehillim that they're all saying these bad things about me. So if you lived at that time, you said, I guess, it's bad enough that he stayed married to her, but he has the chutzpah to want that his kid should come and be the next king. I mean, you can hear such a, a way of thinking. In addition to that, he had alienated Yoav. Yoav figures like this. If David gets to choose the next king, his orders will be to bump me off, which did happen. So I'm going to side with Ahitofel, I mean, with um, Adoniyahu, uh, and, and, and maybe it won't happen. So Yoav was looking out for number one, which I don't blame him. He's trying to survive. Now, you know, if Hashem wants it, it works. If Hashem doesn't want it, it doesn't work. So in the end, they all, all these people get killed. But that's the way it's set up over here. Now, Adonio is, is, is described over here in his very ambiguous language, beautifully ambiguous language, where it says about Adonio, that um, David was not great as a father, because I'll say it. He was not great as a father, and he spoiled them, and he never said no to any request. The father never reproved him. Never made him um, feel angry or sad. Which is necessary sometimes. Even you listening agree that if the kid wants to run across the street in the middle of traffic, you have to grab him, pull him back, and you know, and, and let him have it. Because otherwise he won't understand. You can't run across the street when the cars are running. Now, what does it say over here? Pagam who told to him up, plus he was good looking. So he was tall, dark, and handsome, as we would say today. But Osiyolda Achri Abshalom. And he was born after Avshalom. Now, that doesn't work out. All the Mepharshim go into that. Because, think about it. The Avshalom Rebellion was, as I pointed out, 13, 12 or 13 years before this incident. So, uh, if Shlomo is 12, I mean, uh, Adonia is also 12. Uh, also, Yodav Avshalom is understood. I think a number of Mepharshim say this. He was raised along the lines of Avshalom. He didn't. He didn't discern to get a Muslim hostile from what happened to Avshalom. Also, the old Achri Avshalom, he was raised in the same way, so therefore he was tall, dark, handsome, and arrogant, and he didn't mind uh, plotting against the father because that's what often happens in history. Uh, history of kings and their successors is not always great. Sometimes it is, but sometimes more than a few times it's not, and unfortunately, David with his children, especially Adoniel and Avshalom, was not. And this we know from the Torah, from the Tanakh tells us this. So if the Torah tells you this, it's there to tell you for a reason. And one of the reasons is a parenting lesson. If you are reaching mature age and your kids are hating you, all the rest of it, somebody made some mistakes somewhere along the line. By David, it's clear what the mistakes were. Uh, he thought incorrectly that by never saying no to him, he would make a friend. But you and I know, it almost sounds like a cliche, 
children are looking for someone to tell them no. Children are looking for them so they give Musa when necessary. And then they'll respect you when you get old. As the Pasik says, If you treat the kid with proper discipline. Now, I don't mean beat, beat, beat the heck out of him, you know, uh, like a sadistic uh, parent, because uh, that also. But I'm talking about in the middle, okay? So uh, if there's no uh, grounding or muster or anything like that, like no, no consequence of whatever the kid does, don't be shocked when the kid grows up that he's not going to have respect for you. And this seems to have happened to David, of all people, even though you and I would say, it's he's the greatest king in history, we went to Malchus and he's still restored, and so forth and so on, and he conquered all the enemies of Kalisro, blah, blah, blah. Nevertheless, you see, it didn't work out with the parenting and the kids. Uh, and, therefore, David is left um, in a very bad situation. He's left in the same situation that Avram would have been left in had he not had an Eliezer. Because then, you have an old guy, he's rich, that means that all the buzzards are, are, are vultures are hovering around the, uh, the the sick guy, wait till he kicks the bucket, and then somehow they grab the money. That's how people are. Talk to doctors, talk to lawyers, they'll tell you they see it all the time. I don't care who they are. It's not a pretty picture. And his kids are, are, are figuring who's going to be the next king. And, you know, to add to that, in the Middle East, usually the way it goes is whoever is the winner of, of the king kills the others, which Shlomo does do, or at least... In the case of Adonio and uh, Yoav and a couple others, so Shimon and Gary, you know, so uh, it's a cruel world out there for a young person. Nasan Hanavi says this to Bashev in the Haftar today. He says, "You and your son will be up the creek if Adonio wins, because you're you're on the wrong side of this," and that's why she makes her move. So, what's the result? Um, Avram would not have been able to pull off the shidduch by himself. He was, I'm he was too old. He probably would have had to settle for Yitzhak marrying a local girl. What else could he do? Because he had a trustworthy guy named Eliezer, okay. David has built a great empire, but he doesn't have an Eliezer. The guy he thought was his Eliezer betrayed him. That was Achitofo. Uh, Yoav, who should also be the guy in a normal situation where, um, he would, you know, uh, uh, let's say they didn't have bad blood between them. So David could have said like this, listen, you, Yov, you're my nephew. I look to you to maintain the dynasty, which you served loyally all these years, even though you and I have had a few dis- differences of opinion. And um, when I'm gone, make sure, you know, the Shlom, whoever it is, takes over the Malucha and things run smoothly. But David, for whatever reason, had poisoned his own relationship with Yov by this time. It's a very interesting story. You can claim it's Yehovah's fault, you can claim it's David's fault. Uh, I'm sure the Gemara usually, generally speaking, because of the piety of the Tanam Amrayim, they'll say it's, it's Yehovah's fault. Although you find the Chazal here or there, they say it was David's fault. Um, but what, it doesn't matter. He, he cannot rely on Yoav. So that's very bad. You could be Bill Gates. But, if, if, but you know, if you don't have anybody you can rely on, then if your own health fades... Uh, don't be surprised that you know all the vultures come out with the claws and everybody try to take whatever you have. It's a cruel world out there. And Dub's health started failing for 13 years, the matter which I just read you said. So ever since the story about Sheba, and I understand why he was extremely depressed. And he says these words in Tehillim, you know, 
Chatosi Negdi Samid, and all that kind of stuff. Lave Tarbroli Elkim, Lave Nishbar Venezka Elhim Lo You find these Lushonas. They're not just rhetorics. David said that he was profoundly depressed. Um, and that's why he did all these penitential practices. So imagine if you saw David and the guy doesn't eat all day long, maybe a little tiny bit here. He's basically fasting all the time because he says, how can I have enough from food when I did a chet? That's why we have this in the Tehillim. You and I can't do like David Amalch, but we see the, the, the chaymer of a chet from this. Uh, but he actually you know, carried it out on his own goof. And so the result is you have the drama of today's Haftarah because left alone, it's easy to play him. The way... Shlomo's team wins is because Bacheva and Nason were better players. They played the king better. The um, as you know, if you read that, I mean, I know everybody knows this that uh, Achitofel just jumped the gun. I'm not Achitofel. Uh, Adonio jumped the gun, and they made a party. So basically, they had like an inauguration feast before the king is dead. Um, Bacheva was was clever enough at the bidding of Nasan to uh, point this out to the king. And by the time it's over, it's not in the Haftar today, David says, I'll fix these guys. And he you know, summons his last strength and he arranges for Shlomo. <coughs> Excuse me. The king arranges for Shlomo, as young as he is, he's 12, to be crowned king and sit on King David's throne while King David is still there. That was on his last kaiches, David said like this, I am now in my lifetime making my king, I mean, making my son Shlomo the king after me. I'm putting him on the throne. I'm marching him through the street, it says, and the shaloch and all the other business. So it'll be 100% clear to the Olam that I am picking Shlomo as the next king, which, of course, popped the balloon of Tim Adonio and led to the collapse of their whole effort. So um, that's pretty bad if the whole thing depends on on uh, Bacheva and uh, Nelson being smart players. Uh, for the same money, had things been a little bit different, you could have ended up with King uh, Adonio. And who the heck knows what would happen over there? Because the next king that came along was an Adonio type. What was his name? Rechavam. was a real jerk. And he blew it. And the whole Malucha fell apart, as we all know under him. And the Chazal say that. So uh, Adonio comes across as somebody who would have made a mess of things. Now, I'm not saying Shlomo is perfect, but he's more, a lot more perfect than Adoniyahu. And it's just interesting that the Rambam says that the Mashiach, if, I think it's the Igeris Taman, the Mashiach ben David is going to be not only Mashiach ben David, but Mashiach ben David ben Shlomo. You understand? In other words, somebody from one of the other wives of David, uh, it can't be the Mashiach. It'll have to be somebody who was the king, you know, double king. He comes from David and also comes from Shlomo. So you see over here, um, a very real story, a human story, actually, of uh, the interplay between power and the, great power on the one hand and health. If you got your gesund, if you got your mind, that you can operate and wield great power. It's a very dangerous combination when a person has great power or nowadays great wealth, but they don't have their mind. They don't have their health. They don't have their das. And then, as I said before, they're surrounded by people who act like their friends, but really the people are thinking about themselves. Uh, and they don't care if they bring down the whole business. So these are all heavy thoughts of uh, Musr Haskell, I would say, um, nowadays, especially we live in a very materialistic kind of age. 
Today in America, everything is money. You know, in Israel also, it's all money, money, money. Whatever else they tell you is that it's all money, money. I think, I think, who was there? I there, so I guess I'll slow his worm. Somebody told me this. So something like that. So, uh, really? If it's all about money, then you better, in other words, let's put it this way. Enjoy it while you have your health and you have your mind. And if, if you have any issues with that, uh, you, you end up like King Lear, you know? You'll be, you'll, you'll be in bad shape. And that's not the way the world is supposed to run. It's supposed to run Ben Yechabed Aviv, Aviv Yechabed Ben, you know, people don't take advantage of those kind of situations. Um, but it's perhaps asking too much when you're talking about the throne of Israel, the power, the glory, and the wealth. So in my mind, it's, it's actually a very, very interesting kind of uh, story with a very different end than Avram. When Avram has Eliezer, that's like really a big piece of good luck. Hamosha Bechol Lo. David did not have that at this point. Anyway, with that, I think you were good. Evening, and I want to thank once again Henry Rosenberg. It's very kind of him to agree to sponsor this uh, Haftorah podcast. And I wish you all a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.